Hey, neighbor, this is the last episode of season two. So make sure that you subscribe in your podcast app so that you'll be notified of any changes or new episodes coming on the feed. Today's guest is Dr. Dewana Carpenter, who goes by Dr. D. She is a physician, wife, and mom to four, including her fraternal girl twins. We didn't get much into her surprise pregnancy with her twins and her twin birth story. You'll have to check out her podcast, Twin Moms Thriving, for that full story. Because today I let Dr. D get on her soapbox and talk about her being a recovering perfectionist, her philosophy that work-life balance is trash, and why she thinks putting yourself first is vital to survival. I hope you enjoy this episode and share it with a friend if you do. Thanks. Hey, I'm Amber, mom to boy-girl twins plus three other girls. My oldest was in kindergarten when baby five came along. I have a lot of kids and a lot of practice parenting them, but when I have a question, I turn to an expert, another mom. I believe the best advice comes from moms in the trenches, living it day in and day out. So sit back as I ask the real experts, moms like you, all the advice you asked for, and some you didn't. This is Neighborhood Twin Mom. Welcome to the neighborhood. Dr. D is my guest today. She is a duly board certified physician, mom to four, including fraternal twin girls, and host of the podcast Twin Moms Thriving. Welcome to the show, Dr. D. Well, thank you so much for having me. Do you want to introduce your kids a little bit more in your family? Oh, sure, sure. So yes, I have four kids. The four was quite an accident. So I have a 14-year-old daughter, a 10-year-old son, and the twins are four going on 24. (laughs) You, you work full-time as a physician, as well as hosting your podcast and you do a coaching group. Tell me all the, yeah. all the things. <laughs> uh, how much time do we have for this interview? <laughs> Cause people think that I'm crazy and I may be a little bit. So I am a full-time physician in physical medicine and rehabilitation, which many people do not know about, but we are, let's see. We're kind of the non-surgical orthopedic surgeons. We're the people that focus on increasing function and getting people a quality of life after they have had injuries or some other issues with their body. And, you know, I'm full-time now, but I guess I'm kind of transitioning to be like three-quarter time because I'm not working a traditional like hospital job now. So I travel and go to different hospitals that need help. And then I have the podcast, Twin Moms Thriving, which is my baby that I never even saw myself having. Um, Another surprise. Oh, I know, just tons of surprises. And so that podcast really is all about, you know, twin moms who are still working and trying to have their career and, you know, how we can thrive. Because I think sometimes, we just in motherhood, it gets to be, we want the kids to thrive, but we're not thriving ourselves. And I don't, I don't think that it should be that way. So that's kind of what the podcast is basically about. And then I have a coaching group. It is group coaching called the Prosperous Twin Moms, where, you know, literally all the things that I learned from just kind of doing nothing for myself and I mean, really, for lack of a better word, just kind of let myself go. And, you know, I went into a a depression and, you know, just trying to like manage life and figure it out. And all of that, I basically um, coach other twin moms to be able to to thrive. 
to thrive again without taking as long as it took me, (laughs) you know? So I always think that, you know, you have to have a tribe and, you know, having your people to help you go through it, through life with either that already been there or are going through it with you makes it so much easier because we're going to have ups and downs no matter what we do, where we go. Having your people is always going to make it way better than just doing it alone. And then of course, there are other side projects and things that I'm kind of working on getting up my own consulting practice. And then I have a a business with my husband, which is geared towards couples. So like 500 things going on at the same time. Fortunately, I'm a planner and do a pretty decent job, I think, of putting it all together. Just not always. (laughs) So you say that you're a recovering perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Why do you feel like you need, well, first of all, why do you feel like you need to recover from being a perfectionist? And how have you done that? Oh, good question. So I say that I'm recovering um, from perfectionism because I actually learned a lot about being a perfectionist. Also, spoiler, I didn't think I was a perfectionist, except everybody else around me knew that I was. (laughs) So I really think that it's important to recover from it. And I think it's always a process. Like, I don't think I'm ever just going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm over this now. But I do think that it's important because it actually can keep a person stuck. So, you know, for me, one of the things that I do, I'll say with the podcast, with the podcast, I at first couldn't listen to the whole episode because I was critiquing myself the whole Mm -hmm. time. Oh, there's a pause here. That sounds silly. Why did my voice go up? Why did it go low? And what it did was, okay, this podcast could have been out a month ago, but you're sitting here nitpicking on all these things that nobody else is going to pay attention to except for you. And that was me trying to be perfect and fit, you know, make it this certain exact way. And I realized that that perfectionism could, it's actually also procrastination. It's a form of Mm -hmm. procrastination. Mm -hmm where you're really not getting anything done. I want to impact other people, not just my family, but I want to impact people around me. Well, if I'm so stuck on critiquing myself and what I look like and what I sound like and all of that, well, I'm not making any impact anywhere. And so I think that's why it's so important um, as to how I had started that. Well, you know, the first thing definitely is recognizing (laughs) that you have it because clearly I was in denial for most of my life because I didn't realize that that was me and I think there are levels to it but just being completely honest like I got a therapist like I realized that I had some stuff that I was dealing with and I had some baggage that was almost like the perfectionism was like my coping mechanism for the stuff that I just wasn't dealing with. And so that definitely, you know, shaped kind of my perspective and to be able to see, okay, yeah, this isn't working. And so my therapist gave me some strategies. Um, and, you know, again, like I said, I believe in, you know, having your people, especially in the medical space, I think that we are kind of taught to be perfect. Yeah. Well, because we kind of have to, because people's lives depend on it. Right. 
being around other, you know, especially women in medicine that also either had that struggle or, you know, were kind of in the recovery process as well really helped. And I mean, I'm a big person of faith too. And like, literally I take everything to God and I had to like, just pray about it and say, you know, like, I want to be a better person every day. Every day I wake up, I want to strive to be a better me. But being a better me doesn't mean that I have to be perfect, right? Because people actually like me for the things that I'm not perfect at. Like, that's what makes me unique. All of those things just really help me in the process. And certainly I sometimes catch myself going back into those old ways. Sometimes I'm like, oh, nope, it's all right. You know, good is good is better than perfect. Do what you got to do, get it out. And at that point, it might be your best, put your best out there and just keep it moving. So that, and I, and I teach my kids that because my daughter, she has quite a bit of that in her as well. So by me showing her the imperfect characters and things that I have, I'm hoping will help her to realize that she doesn't have to be perfect either. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, you are a physician. And so this idea of being perfect, but also you have these kids. So you Mm -hmm. have, you're juggling a lot of things. And I absolutely, it's one of my biggest pet peeves besides the fact that when people don't push clear on the microwave. (laughs) Oh my my God. God. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Um, But when they ask women like, oh my gosh, how do you balance it all? How do you do it all? Because nobody ever asks men that. But so that's kind of one of your soapboxes is to to have this work-life balance, but you always say that it's trash. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I love that. Work-life balance. Work-life balance is trash. Yes. Because again, I think it falls into that perfect thing. And so to your point, nobody ever asks men how they do it all, because what would their answer be? Uh, my wife, my girlfriend, my significant other, usually it's somebody else is doing it for them, right? Or helping them to quote unquote, manage it all. And I think that it is completely unrealistic expectation that we are going to balance it all. And maybe the phrase of work-life balance, I take too literally, because maybe people really don't mean exactly balanced 50 50 everything is nicely just so but most of the women and most of the moms that I talk to that's what they're striving for when I say to them you know what what do you think could improve in your life or you know in motherhood right now oh well I just really want to get a better balance And most of them are referring to the fact that they want everything to kind of line up that work is, you know, that 50% and then home is 50% and, you know, putting all these pieces together so it lines up nicely. And I actually think that in your 100% of whatever your work and life is, some days work is going to be crazy. And that's going to take up 80%. And so you now have 20% left to do all of the other things. And then other times that 70% is going to be home. Kids are sick, husband's sick. I mean, I had a husband with COVID. I had my own like a medical issue and twins and kids that couldn't go to school because of COVID and whatever else. So like, yeah, work was like 10%. And 
home got 90% at that point because that's what it needed. And so I think when we really like put that out there as the expectation that you're 100%, it's all going to work out. But just know that sometimes there's some stuff that's going to be left undone. Sometimes the dishes are overflowing in the kitchen. So what? Like, don't worry about it. And so much, especially if we're working, you know, whether it's inside the home or outside the home, work is work. When you're working and then you're trying to come home and, or, you know, log off and do the second shift, which is being a mom and taking care of the kids. And most of us, you know, are still very involved in the caretaking part, even with husbands and significant others, like it's impossible for it all to balance. So who really wants to continue to strive for something that that is never going to happen? Like that sucks because you're, you know, setting yourself up for failure. So that, you know, it has really been my soapbox because that again, with the perfectionism, that was me. I thought that was what I was supposed to do was balance it all and, you know, have a hot meal for my husband and keep the place clean and, you know, the kids and make it to all of their events. Like there's not enough hours in the day. People have figured it out that like, I didn't know there are a such thing as house managers who do all of that stuff for you when you are working and whatever else. And I'm like, exactly. We need to normalize that and stop trying to make women balance it all. Cause you know, that's a whole nother soapbox of why is it just the women, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how do moms or how do you, I guess I should say, cause I can't, can't speak for all moms, but feel fulfilled as a mom, as a woman, you know, as a provider, because I think for me, I think part of this like whole balance thing is like, I don't feel good enough in any of these areas because I'm being stretched and it's too mm-hmm. much and I don't feel good in any of it. So how do you mm-hmm. feel fulfilled? Yeah, I stopped being stretched. One of the biggest things that I had to learn was to ask for help or to be okay with certain stuff not getting done. And when I'm at work, I want to be at work and focus on that and give, you know, my full time and effort to that. And when I'm at home, I want to be home, which is part of, you know, what I really felt I needed to do with kind of switching my career up a little bit because when your mind is split in so many different directions you're sitting but you're not resting because you're thinking about what's next on a to-do list and then you go and you lay down and you're thinking about okay tomorrow I got to remember this and the kids lunch and this and that and the other it just becomes an endless cycle that we never feel rested from Mm -hmm. And so what I had to realize and kind of coach myself through was that it's okay to do nothing. It's actually good for you to do nothing and sit and yeah, the kids are probably going to come and say, as soon as they see you doing nothing, mommy, I need this. I need that. And I, instead of jumping up and feeling bad and guilty and whatever else, I told my kids, okay, mommy's taking a break. So in 20 minutes, I'll get up and do whatever that is that you need to do. So why don't you go, you know, play a game, read a book, play on your tablet. And then when my break is over, I'll come find you. And, you know, it's all about putting those boundaries on the family also and having your own boundaries of what you need. So 
so that was a big thing. My husband would always ask me like, how can I help you? What do you need? And I was so overwhelmed and so fatigued. I couldn't even tell him what it was that I needed, which just sounded so pathetic. Like mm-hmm. I need help, but I don't know what, you know? So he's like, well, I don't know what to do with that. So I really had to start rediscovering myself because having the two kids that were, you know, sort of able to do stuff on their own and then, you know, going back into infancy stages with twins and all that comes with that, I felt like I was just a shell of me. Mm -hmm. So I had to rediscover myself and figure out what it was that I needed first so that then I could arrange my work and my life and my home and my kids in the way that was going to be best for all of us. Cause really that's, you know, the ultimate goal. I want to be a great mom for them, but I also want to be an awesome person for me. So one of the things that you have another soapbox of yours, which I love, by the way, I love that you kind of tackle things that are unpopular, should I say? (laughs) Which I think a lot of people are just afraid to do it. And it's not necessarily unpopular. They're just afraid. But anyway, Uh one of the things that I love is that you said, you had seen like a post on social media or something about how the mom was saying, you have to put your kids first and you're the worst, basically, if you don't. And that's another thing you're like, "Mm, that's trash. Mm -hmm. So that is a popular opinion that like kids come first, you have to do everything for them, but you don't agree. No, I do not agree a hundred percent. There's a couple of reasons. The first one is that again, there are no other roles that I can think of that people are told, oh, these other people come first, not you. You know, like I've never heard that. And again, you know, being a physician, there's a little gray line that we do have to, you know, put patients first at times. But like, that's like in an emergency. You know, on a day-to-day basis, you cannot do anything if you don't exist. So I believe in putting yourself first and that's not being selfish it is necessary for everyone to really thrive and and maintain I use the analogy all the time the airlines get it right when you get on a plane the safety announcement they go through their whole spiel if there's a water landing blah 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 okay and then if the cabin should lose pressure the oxygen mask will come down. Please put your mask on first before trying to help others. And if you are a mom on that flight or any family with kids, they specifically stop and tell you, put your mask on first before them. Because if you pass out, then what? (laughs) You know, if you pass out, well, so are they. And now everybody dies. So let's take care of yourself right? And put your mask on first because the other thing is, and actually this is a post that I wrote up and just haven't posted, is that our kids become who we are. If you are the kind of mom or the kind of parent or the kind of person just in general who doesn't take care of yourself, makes all these sacrifices and you know, God forbid you end up having a heart attack or some condition that you can't come back from, 
well, guess what you just taught them? That's normal. That's what they should do. And so they take those habits and they do that to their family. Because I know I got it from my mom. She was a single mom and she did it all and, you know, did the best she could. And then her mom did, you know, like we're teaching all of this stuff to our kids. And while we love our kids and we would give our lives for our kids, again, in an emergency situation, what I'm not doing is raising little princes and princesses. You know, in the sense of somebody's going to always do something for you and take care of you and all of that. No, I'm teaching them to be self-sufficient adults who value their bodies, who value their minds, who value their spirits and take care of that and, and hold that precious. And so that's why I believe that this whole put your kids first, you're putting them on a pedestal. And then we end up wondering how come as adults, we got so many people running around here thinking they're entitled to everything because that's what their parents taught them. So I want to be happy and healthy. And I feel that in order to do that, I got to take care of me. I got to get good sleep. I got to eat. I was not eating when I had my twins. I was not eating. I was not drinking. It literally sent me to the hospital. And as a physician, that's the last place you ever want to be as a patient in the hospital. I feel like all of those things taught me that if you put them first, you're not going to make it. So it's not worth it. I would rather put myself first and then be able to focus on them so that we all make it. We all survive and we live a good life and we're happy and healthy. So what does your self-care look like then? You said eating, because a lot of people, this is another one of my pet peeves, the pet peeve <laughs> podcast, I don't know, soapbox pet peeve, is people talk about their self-care and basically like, oh, I like to take a long bath. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with baths, but like, for me, that is nothing for me. Like, that is not, the, yes. I, I'm the kind of person who can't take a break because I get my just mind races. I'm like, this is a waste of time. I could be doing this, 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 this. I get fulfilled by like doing things. Mm -hmm. So how do you take care of yourself? Yeah. So at one point, I think it was a set regimen. And now I feel like that has evolved. I completely agree with you. The self-care, oh, let's go get a pedicure. Let's take a warm bath. I think that's great. But for me, self-care is something that is easily done every single day. So for me now, what I do is I make sure that I, I, I try to do it in the morning, but I make sure that like one of the first things I do in the morning, first off is get a cup of water. And then I read my daily devotional and kind of set the tone for my day. Six out of the seven mornings, usually if I'm, you know, really on top of things, I'm working out first thing in the morning, because I know if I don't, then that falls to the wayside. Because that was another thing. Like after having twins, I felt like, you know, I was on track to get my body where I wanted. And then I had twins and now I have all of these changes, you know, extra weight in different places. I had a C-section. So I have that stupid little, you know, fupa area that just seems like it never goes away. And that was affecting my self-esteem as well because I didn't feel good either. So I found a workout regimen that works for me, you know, and I do that pretty consistently. And I notice the differences in how I feel. 
And then from there, it just depends. Like, it depends on the day. Some days I do need to like, I'm just going to veg out and watch TV, you know, or I'm going to go get my nails done or something like that. But I try to make sure that outside of those two things that I'm doing those consistently, and then I'm checking in with myself. What is it that I need today? Because I think it changes. And that was kind of my post, what I posted on Instagram today was talking about the plants. We all have seasons and sometimes you need maybe more of the primpy bubble baths and manicures and massages. And sometimes you might just need silence, (laughs) you know, like my self-care is every day, 30 minutes. Nobody talks to me. Nobody asks me anything. And that's kind of how I do it. I think sometimes we think get even discouraged because other moms will say, oh, well, you just need to do some self-care, go take a bath. And then moms get discouraged because like, I don't have time for that. And then they get even more discouraged and it's just a spiral. But I think a lot of times we need to go back to the basics of your mind. Well, you, ta- you talked about it, mind, body, and spirit right there. You're like, I do a devotional. Mm-hmm. I, you know, drink glass of water and I move my body. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of like a lot of times what we need to get back to. So as a parent, you, you come off very authentic. And of course, through a podcast and through Instagram and stuff, like who knows, right? Right, right. <laughs> you never know. You come <laughs> off pretty authentic. Most, maybe you come off more authentic because you say things that are uh, against the grain, maybe. I don't uh-huh. know. Anyway, but how do you do that? Or how should anybody do it, I guess, with, you know, people looking at you? How can you be a more authentic mom while everyone is watching you on social media? People are watching you at the park. That was a hard thing for me when I had my twins. I felt like everyone was staring at me. And now I realized they were, I mean, everyone was staring at uh-huh. me and look at me. I felt like I was always being watched. So it was really hard to parent in the way that I felt was the best way for my kids. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So the first thing is I let them stare and I let them look. Sometimes if I'm feeling really froggy, I'll even approach the conversation. Like, is there, are we bothering you? I think part of why I'm so big on authenticity is because for my entire life, I've been surrounded by people that were not authentic. (laughs) If you ask any of my friends that knew me like high school, college days, I was always the one, I was that friend that was always, oh girl, I'm going to keep it real. That was me, (laughs) right? And I'm still that girl, except that I realized that keeping it real also has to come with some tact and some compassion and some love with it. And I just think about how I felt when people were being, you know, like fake and, and certainly now with social media. I'm like, come on, you cannot sit here and tell me that it's always rainbows and roses and your kids are just perfect and their room is always like that. No way. And again, I think that is what many of us as moms are judging ourselves by. Well, you know, this person on social media, well, they have this and look at their body and look how they dress and they're glammed out and whatever else. And I think I just got to a point where I just didn't care, Um, you know, in the sense of, I know I'm acquired taste. I'm not for everybody. 
the people that I am for, they're going to hear what I'm saying, see what I'm doing and be like, yes. And then there are others that I'm not going to be a fit for. And I'm good with that too. But I just, I was so tired of seeing all the fake stuff, especially when it comes to moms, because that plagued me so much. I mean, literally, I have had a battle with medicine and my family since medical school because I had my daughter in medical school. I've been fighting medicine ever since to be who I want to be, which is a great mom and a great physician. And I felt like nobody was willing to let me do that. So I stopped asking permission. Mm. And I just said, I'm going to do what works for me. And I really, that's what I encourage moms to do. Like, even if it's family members, you know, those are the ones that have the most to say about what you're doing or not doing. And I have to tell them, your opinion is your opinion, but it doesn't affect what I do in my household and with my kids. And my mom lives with me. So she has opinions still, and she's in my household. And I'm like, but they're my kids. And this is what we're going to do. And that's just it because who has the time, you know, to try to, it's exhausting trying to live up to someone else's expectations and that not be really what, what is in your heart to do or say, or be, I like to take the easy road then. This has been a great conversation. I have lots of things now going around in my brain of things that I can change and rework in my family, but tell everyone where they can find you. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at twin mom doctor, and it's spelled out T W I N M O M D O C T O R. You could also find me on Facebook at that same um, twin mom doctor. And I mean, I have email and all that other stuff too, but just catch me on one of the social media platforms. And I would love to to meet new moms and chat and all that stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you want to hang out some more, you can follow me on Instagram at neighborhood twin mom. If you want more info on what we talked about in this episode or a transcription of the audio, head to neighborhoodtwinmom.com. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star rating and review. This helps other people be able to find the podcast. Music for this episode was composed by Cameron Norby. Find more of his work on YouTube.